we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests joining us this morning. Yes, indeed. We got Ryan Kugler and Peter Nix. Welcome, fellas. What's up? Thanks for having us. How y'all feeling? Feeling, feeling good. good. Feeling good? good. Yeah, man. Happy, happy, to, happy to be invited. N- new documentary, yeah. Anthem. Yeah, man, I, I've long felt like the national anthem, like most things in America need to be changed to represent the world we, we, we currently live in. Clearly, y'all felt the same, which is, which is why the doc was created, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're in a time right now where we're examining our identity, you know, searching for our identity, trying to express it in different ways, and there's a lot of collisions mm-hmm. in, in, in how we express those identities and uh, that the moment felt right to to inquire and, and to go a little bit deeper on, you know, the history of that song and also the opportunity to imagine what an anthem would be like for today that reflects the American story. What made you dive deep into the anthem, right? Because we're in school, you learn it, you don't really think much of it. This was very knowledgeable because it, it, it taught where the, the origin came from. When you're a student, they don't teach you the origin, they just say sing it, you know what I mean? So what made y'all dive deep into actually understanding, learning, and, and to even discuss this? 
I've been looking at a couple of projects that were examining this collision between patriotism and protest, and obviously we're seeing it in, mm -hmm. in, in the headlines uh, every day. I've always wanted to make a music doc, number one. Um, and the, the anthem seemed like a perfect stage to examine the, Amer the American voice and the American, the American story. And also this notion that music does bring us together and that maybe a project using music uh, as an exploration of the American story could in some way reflect some idea of optimism in this difficult time that we're in right now. I'm mm -hmm. learning that, uh, you know, uh, I guess stand-up comedy is such an inspiration for, for creative minds like yourself because Anthem seems to be rooted in a bit from Roy Woods Jr. Mm -hmm. And then y'all walked in and y'all said y'all was out last night watching Chappelle and Chris Rock. So what is it about comedy that, that sparks those seeds? I don't know. I, I think... Um... Personally, I think like stand up is is probably like the highest form of uh, storytelling with like a high degree of difficulty. Absolutely, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also a form where you can you know where you can ask you can ask questions and I, and Roy is brilliant, man. Mm -hmm. he, he was he mm -hmm. was, he he hosted our uh, our after party. Um, but yeah, that bit is that bit is kind of incredible. Like like it's a, for some reason in that setting, they can ask questions and kind of make you know kind of make criticisms. Playing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and he was and he was asking yo if if you know what, what you know it's based off it's based off of this you know it's not even it's not even an American tune not even an American right. song it's based off a British drinking song I didn't know that I didn't know that either I didn't know that the film that's why I said it's so knowledgeable you learned so much about the film yeah and what made what made you be a part of this film you know we, we oh, talk man, about so finish the stand up point for us though well yeah I think. I think stand up, like when you laugh, when you have a natural reaction, sometimes it's nervous. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Sometimes it's like, man, I can't believe this person said this. You know, it was a lot of that last night. <laughs> but 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 um, but at the same time, like like, oftentimes it's like a it's like a recognition of something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And someone's storytelling, and that, and that and that bit it just it just leads. You know, if you watch the film, it leads right into, mm -hmm. you know, right into the right into the story. Mm -hmm. Um, how I got involved, Pete and I met uh, in Oakland, um, over ten years ago. I was making a film called Fruitville. It was Fruitville then, now it's Fruitville Everything Station. Everything about you is Oakland, bro. It all comes back to Oakland. <laughs> doesn't it? Brian, uh, doesn't it? Way, shape, or form. I mean, I mean, Pete got three movies about the, actually four now about the, about the Bay. He got a mm -hmm. Steph Curry doc coming out next next month. Um, second greatest player of all time, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> second. <laughs> now we could talk. We could talk all of that, Charlotte. Man, I mean, you know, that's 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 yeah, that's, that's a nice ranking for him. But but but, um, we met we met then. He was making a doc called The Waiting Room, um, which is about Highland Hospital, which is which is a you know a, a massive hospital in, in, in East Oakland that has the the, the a trauma ward, you know, um, and, and, and that, it was actually the hospital where where Oscar Grant rest in peace, where he where he was born, and the hospital where he where he, where he passed away when he mm -hmm. was murdered, um, and, and and we were trying to get access to that place, and, and some folks in the San Francisco Film Society hooked me and Pete hooked me and Pete up, um, and we've been tight since. Um, in, in some years back, uh, my, my wife, Zenzi Evans, um, and my partner, Seth Akohanian, uh, we started a company called Proximity Media. And um, a few years after we started, we recruited Pete to come over and run nonfiction for us. So, so he's been making films right. you know, through, you know, for, for our company for some time now. And, and this is the first one that we've done in collaboration with Onyx. So I always like to, to ask people from the beginning, both of you guys, Peter and Ryan, like, how did you get into film? For somebody out there right now listening, how was the start? What was the love? What was the first light bulb that said, this is what I wanted to do? And how was that journey of getting into the game? I was like, I come from a big family. My mom's one of 10. 
dad's one of eight and we had big family reunions lots of cousins running around my uncle ray had a video camera and he'd bring to the family reunions every summer and and i i, I would take the camera and, and run around and interview you know, all, all my family members and i had uh, like kind of like you guys i didn't have the the, the king's chairs but i had the, I had the, 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 the pete nick show right this little show and a clip from that is actually in, a, in an autobiographical do- my first film was an autobiographical documentary about the impact that my addiction i went to howard university and and, and fell into addiction sorry and and my 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 film i went to howard part h u the mecca you know you went to howard i was about the howard part that's what i wanted to say i said the howard part i went to hampton so you know but go ahead off the show like yo you got empathy forget your addiction you went to howard no i was with you on that i was ready to go down the road with you on that but but my you know it was really uh, you know, my story, it's a story of a black family, uh, m- middle class, upper middle class black family that dealt with things that were difficult to talk about. And um, I, I just from the very early age was inspired by my own family story and mm-hmm. felt that there was something there that I wasn't seeing, heard and told. Um, and that really began began my journey as a storyteller. Later, when I, when I went to film school and had a choice to make my first film, it, it was to look within I know that, that you probably should go watch the uh, the, the, the autobiogra- autobiographical doc you did, but what was the addiction? Uh, co- you name it. <laughs> like, oh, okay. depends on the day. Depends mm-hmm. on my mood. You just got turned out in college? Yeah, or were you trying to stay up to cocaine. study? Or? I was working at, uh, the, this is the late 80s during the, the war on drugs. This is when, you know, Ray, 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 DC Ray, was huge. Rayful Edmond, mm-hmm. uh, Marion Barry. I was mm-hmm. working at a club, the Fifth Column, and just got, got su- sucked in the world. I was, you know, dealing with a lot of identity I- issues. And, and I think, you know, it's so interesting that I met Ryan eventually and his his process of storytelling, looking at, um, you know, the the black story, the, the black family, the, the, the black American story and reframing that in, mm-hmm. in a powerful way um, is, is a bit of a kismet. That's so interesting because there's always a profile of what an addict looks like, you know, and somebody who was attending an HBCU probably wouldn't fit that profile, so to speak. Well, you know, one of the things I learned being at Howard was that being black means so many different things. Okay. It sort of like exploded my mind, mm-hmm. you know, on that. And 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 we 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 uh, ha- have these conceptions that that black in in the media is is you know more flattened out into a two dimensional narrative. And so that that was also one of the things I wanted to bring into my storytelling. And you, Ryan, for people that don't know, how did I get into filmmaking? How you got into filmmaking? What was the first light bulb? What made you say this is what I want to do as a profession? It's a great question. Um, for me, I, I, I grew up in a, <laughs> I'm a shady, I grew, I grew up in the Bay Area, bro, um, playing football and, and going to school. I like school. I like football maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, got a scholarship to, to go to a school called St. Mary's College. And, um, and this was in 2000, 2003. Um, very good basketball school, you mm-hmm. know, um, but they had, they had some, some, you know, they have football, football there as well, playing in, in D1 AA. Um, and after my freshman season, they dropped their football program. Um, and that same semester, it was like we were doing spring ball, and they dropped that bomb on us. And um, and I was in a, a, a English class, like a creative writing class, taught mm-hmm. by a woman named Rosemary Graham. And and she gave the first assignment for us to write about our most intense emotional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote about something that happened, like a health issue that happened with my pop. Um, didn't think much about it, you know, turned it in. And then she called me into her office hours um, and, and, and had like a one-on-one with me and was like, hey, you should think about writing screenplays, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and that, that was really like the first 
that was really like the first time um, an, an adult recommended something like that. And I thought it was a crazy recommendation too. So you've never been into it, you were just like, let me. I mean, look, looking back, I, I, I always it was always there. Like my family watched a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. um, that was how we would pass time. It was how we would communicate with each other, you know. And I and I, I've done a lot of self analysis since then, like a lot, you know, mm -hmm. like like um a, a little bit of like what Pete's talking about. Looking back, my parents came up, both of them from Oakland, um, and they was and they was there when, when you know that time Pete's talking about at Howard. My parents was in the in the, in, the, in, the, in the town, and it wasn't much different. They was trying to they was trying to stay alive, man. You know, young young married. Uh, and they would what mm -hmm. they would do for entertainment is like you know go to Blockbuster and rent something and stay mm -hmm. in the house. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Had three sons that would keep us in the house. So that's what we would do. It's like <laughs> that was that was our culture, you know. Um, and I, I always loved always loved movies. You know, um, I would do like theater arts or whatever. If it was an elective, I'll take theater arts. You know what I'm saying? Right. So so it was always there. But uh, her reading something that I wrote and making that a making that suggestion was was, was huge, man. And, and um, and then my wife it was my girl at the time. You know, I taught her about it. I was trying to write screenplays in, in Microsoft Word, mm -hmm. which is difficult if y'all y'all ever tried to write a screenplay before, because um, of the margins and everything. It's formatting, really goofy, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then my my um my my wife, she she was uh, on on track scholarship at, at at Fresno State. We both didn't have no money. Um, she she squeezed our coins together and got me the, the software that you use, you know, prof to professionally write a screenplay, Final mm -hmm. Draft. So once once she did that, you know, uh, I was in there. You know what I mean? Well, you remember the first screenplay you wrote? I do, bro. I mean, I remember all of them. I mean, it was terrible, but <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was about a, it was about a, it was called Story of a Dollar. It was about a uh, it was about a twenty dollar bill that was getting passed around the bay, you know. So we told told a bunch of like told a bunch of little stories based on that. People would write on the dot on the money. Mm -hmm. It sounds crazy now, right? Because everything digital, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But but that Chris, was um, Chris Rock did a sketch like that once. Oh yeah, his, his Chris Rock uh, yeah. show on HBO. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yeah, yeah. So 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 it was. This was like, you know, yeah. This was like, like, oh, oh, three. It's a common, you know, it's a common idea. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like an inanimate object that's getting that's getting moved around. Mm -hmm. You get to tell stories through mm -hmm. that. But when I was, you know, I was seventeen, man. So I was like, yo, this is the most creative shit ever. You know what I mean? I didn't know. <laughs> when did y'all both know? Yeah. Uh, when did y'all both know it was gonna be a profession, right? Because I'm sure at one time mm -hmm. you thought you were gonna play football in the league. You know what I mean? I'm sure yeah. one time you thought you were gonna do something else. When did y'all <laughs> know like, this is a profession? Well, I'll tell you the time where I knew this one had a profession was before I saw Fruitvale Station, I saw a film he did called Locks, mm. which which to this day is one of the most beautiful um, expressions uh, of character and humanity that, that I've seen in a, in a short film. It was, like a, it, was like a, it was like a silent film almost. And I, I knew that the, this was a special, um, um, you know, you know, storyteller, um, and then that was sort of what what drew me drew me to, to Ryan and um and and what was your question? I would say when did you know it was going to be a profession? You know, everybody wants to be a football player, basketball player. Everybody has that dream. But when you say no, this is my calling. Well, while I was at Howard, um, I was on the eleven year plan at Howard. Eleven year I, it plan. was interrupted by my, my my stay with the federal government. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I when I uh, got out, you know, I I kind of. Bounced around in D.C. for for a couple of years. Met met my wife Vanna in in '94. Uh, sort of got got things on track and started. I had to pick a minor, and I was a I was a creative writing major. I was going to be a writer. That's what I thought I was going to do. I was writing, you know, uh, short stories yep. and um, never got to writing a script. But um, I had to pick a minor. And I picked journalism, and I'd met this kid in an AA meeting, and um, 
uh, he, he worked at this little tiny news service called the Hispanic Link, which at the time there were very little, there was very little news telling the story of the Hispanic community in, in America. So this tiny hole-in-the-wall news service in D.C. was syndicated nationwide, and it was run by this, this white guy who mar- married this woman from Oaxaca, Mexico, and it was a love story. And so I was just struck by it, and so I made a little short documentary, and it was my thesis project, uh, my senior project at Howard. And um, I fell in love with it, documentary, and I looked at where, where the best, you know, documentary programs and UC Berkeley, the journalism school at Berkeley has one of the, one of the top programs. And so I went there when I made that decision to apply to graduate school, I kind of knew like, this is what I'm committing to do. This is what I'm going for. Right. And you, Ryan, when, when did you know that this was going to be your profession? Cause I, I know at one time you said, I'm going to play in the league. I know you thought yeah. you were going to play for the Raiders. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, um, it's a, it's a great question. Cause I, 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 I've been asked it before. My wife always laughed, but it was after I made my fourth movie. It was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna be doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. What was the fourth one? What kind of fabric? <laughs> <laughs> that's when you. That's when you said this is a profession. Things could have been before that one. Nah, I'm, I'm telling you, bro. Fruitvale, Creed, yeah. Black Panther, and what kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause I, I don't know, like I, 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 some combination of like imposter syndrome. That's what I was gonna say. That sounds mm-hmm. like and imposter. um and internalizing uh this internalized feeling of it's like it's all gonna be taken away from me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, that, like that, that, it it just went away. So you didn't think you That's were good, good enough? Yeah. It was it was a combination of a lot of things. For one, I didn't think I was good enough. Like like I was thinking I was fooling people. Um, I got lucky with each movie, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think like we, we were kind of forever go, going through so much. You know, number one, losing Chad. Chad with Pat. You know, yeah. number one, losing Chad, rest in peace, man. And, and, and he had, he had so much confidence in me. You know what I'm saying, um, and 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 he would speak, mm. you know, he would speak confidence in me when I was having moments of doubt, mm. um, and I and and a lot of times I would think he was just trying to get me through the day. You know, what I'm, you know what mm. I'm saying? Because you do that with your teammates, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you got this, even though you don't, you might not believe they really got it, right. but you, mm-hmm. you tell them. You know what I'm saying? Um, but 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 then in, in retrospect, after he passed, and, and, and knowing what I knew about him, that he 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 was never he was never he would never BS somebody. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, in 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 finishing that film, and, and that was like the first time I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna be, I think I'm gonna be doing this for the rest of my life. How nerve wracking was that film with all those celebrities and all those stars and people that's been in so many movies? The first one, yeah, Man, crazy nerve wracking, bro. But, but the thing is, all my movies was nerve wracking. My nerves was racked on the short he was talking about, you know. Um, so I mean, you know, you you know that feeling, you know. And like like uh, you don't ever get to a point where you're like, I've done enough where I'm comfortable and I. <laughs> I'm getting there, yeah. Like I think, I think I'm getting there. You know, you, you don't ever want to point be, where you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Where I, where, I, where I feel like I'm gonna be doing this for 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 okay. some for some time. Oh, I would say confident. You're confident in you. Getting there. Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right, right. Getting there. Also, I think it's it's a it's a it's a belief that your voice, what you have to say, is gonna be received. Mm. You know, it's gonna be received by the culture, by the critics, by by the audiences. Um, and our culture sort of shifts, um, and th- those voices, the voices that do matter, that do bubble up to the surface, it's not always because of the, the relevance or the power mm. of those voices. It's sort of the ecosystem of our culture and society allows certain voices to come forward. Is it the pressure of knowing how many young minorities look up to you guys like, mm. I want to be the next, mm. you know what I mean? Is, is that part of it as well? Yeah, man, it's... it's... 
so much. It's, it's all of it, bro. Like, like y'all, y'all feel it. Y'all black. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you get it, when you go, when you first got this job, it's like I gotta do my thing for my family, but I also gotta do my thing for the next person who look like me who wanna do this. That know? came later. At first, it was just about survival. Yeah, right? you yeah. Because I've been fired for four times for radio, so it's about survival. So, yeah. Then once you start to realize the magnitude of the platform, yeah. it's like you gotta do it for the people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what's great is like, look. Right, it's, it's Monday, right? I ain't checked the papers, but I think Stephen Cable's movie was number one. Transformers, Transformers yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was, was number one. Yeah, so like, Pete, Pete got this movie coming. He got, we got, we got a Steph Doc that's gonna come. And and like, the more, the more that 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 that's of us that's succeeding, it actually takes some of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like that that's that's also that's, that has also helped. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like oh, it's only one. Mm-hmm. We got one shot. We got one represent, representative. It's like I'm oh, always a bunch of us. You know what I'm saying, and and and, the, and 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 that's changing the fabric of um, what a blockbuster director looks like. I want, you know I want to, or or what, yeah. you know, or or or, you know, how much, <clears throat> how much support a, a, a nonfiction film gets from, uh, you know, from 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 a, from a studio or from or from the audience. You know what right. I'm saying, like which like, is typically very little. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm extremely <laughs> grateful for for the platform that pro- prox proximity ha- has provided, and and that is a powerful idea to sort of validate not just different perspectives of voice, but different genres and styles of storytelling. Mm-hmm. One, one more thing about the imposter syndrome. When you're Ryan Coogler, and we know the greatness of Ryan Coogler, but the media will say things like, oh, he might he's the next George Lucas. Like, you're always the next uh, somebody. Right. They're never just you. Does that, does, <laughs> does, that, does that? Hold on, bro. Is that a Crown Royal bag? Of course. Okay. <laughs> my bad, bro. Charlamagne's 60. He keeps all his change in bro. there. <laughs> That's change. You That's damn right. You need a little something? Man, I might. <laughs> y'all, got, y'all got a vending machine here? <laughs> hey, hey, my bad, bro. My, woo. I just, I just went bro, back 100 bro, years, bro. Bro, bad memories. Yeah. Grandma. Major, bro. <laughs> Uncles, bro. Uncles. Oh, my God. My bad. My bad, Charlamagne, bro. But I was just saying, does, 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 that, does that contribute to the imposter syndrome? The always saying you're the next someone? It don't help. Right. Mm. That 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 never helps. Um. You know, but, but what, I, what I'm thankful for, what I'm thankful for, man, is like 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 I, I'm thankful for the OGs. Like I like I I saw I saw Spielberg um, a few days ago. You know, saw spent spent a day with Spike. Um. You know, I sat down with, with Coppola. Um. I sat down with uh. With 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 Chris, with Chris Nolan, you know, I was very like rest in peace. John Singleton was very mm-hmm. close with him, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 having a relationship with the OGs, it's helpful if they say you the next whatever, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I sat with sat with George Lucas, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. all, because you know, and I and I know these guys as, as guys, and they can kind of advise and say, man, throw all that away, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you know, like this is gonna this is gonna come, that's gonna come. It's been you know, it's been really really helpful. Um, so that, but but it, but yeah, it never it never helps to to hear somebody compare you to a to a like a generational great. You know oh, what, right, you right. know what I'm saying? That's why that's why I always feel for Brian. You'll never appreciate Brian. I say that all the time. You'll never appreciate Brian if you can bro, keep comparing him to this ghost bro, bro, that me, is Michael Jordan. Let me tell you something, bro. Me and Zinz, me and Zinz, he went to game three when the when the when the damn Lakers knocked us out, bro, in, in the second round. And, and we worked with we worked with Steph and Brian. We worked we worked mm-hmm. on Space Jam. And we worked on uh, on the beautiful movie Pete. Pete's got coming out. Um, and this dude, man, he's thirty eight, and he would have plays, bro, because he knew me and Zinzi was there. 
you had players where he would get the ball, bro. He would point to us, score, and then point to us after he scored. Like y'all about to score right now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and it would just it would just do it. And I, and I and I would like I've never seen anything. I've never I've never <laughs> seen anything like this guy, man. Mm. And like and like everything he does is always compared to some. You know, some <laughs> to Joe to Jordan, yeah, or, or or you know, or his Korean. You know, he was doing it. Yeah. It's, it's like it's. It's they didn't nice. want him to do the jump hook that day. To, you know, we kind of we can't appreciate it for the right. for the for the for the for, for comparison sake, you know. But but I will say like, I, this whole time I've had Pete, bro. You know what I'm saying? As a friend, um, who who you know you know people don't know him as, as much as they might know George Lucas or, or, or Spielberg, but right. incredible working filmmaker and, and a family man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Who, who 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 got wisdom for me whenever I whenever I need it in terms of navigation. So. I'll be forever, be forever thankful for him and, and to help him make this beautiful movie, man. Mm-hmm. Anthem, that only he could make. You know, he, he, y'all, y'all can talk to him more about it, but only he could make a movie where, you know, it's like, yo, we gonna, we gonna examine this national institution. You know what I'm saying? It's got all of these, tr- it's triggering for everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And come out with a and come out with a song on the other side. You come out watching the movie feeling good, you know? Um, but yeah, like I'm thankful, I'm thankful for him too. Thank you, bro. You know, Pete, uh, it made me wonder watching Anthem, why did black people ever accept the Anthem to begin with? Like, why did they ever accept the National Anthem to begin with? I don't know, you know, I, I I've seen it from, from a lot of different perspectives. You know, I, I guess I like to say I was born into the story of race. I was born in 68. Oh, wow. My birth mother's white, my birth father was black. Her family threatened to disown her if she married him. She put me up for adoption. I was adopted by a black family. My dad's uh, descendant of slaves from the South, Gullah. My mom's- uh, South Carolina? South Carolina. Hey, yep. that's home. Uh, my mom, uh, her parents came over from West Africa, Cape Verde. I married uh, a woman, a refugee from Laos. I've got kids who are mixed race. Been in federal prison on a, on a drug charge. Um, went to all white private schools, went to Howard. So I've seen life from all these different angles and perspectives in, in, in all my work. I, I, at the same time, I've never been thrown down on the ground by a cop. I've never been, I've been called nigger a couple times, but that's usually when I'm with my other family. People don't kind of know how to pin me, mm. you know? And, and I, I generally can, can slide through. Uh, like miscellaneous. Kind of miscellaneous. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that, that, that also sort of burrowed into my own psyche about my identity, who am, who am I? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that question of who am I is also the question I think as a country we're trying to sort of grapple with who are we? We're all different, but we're all the same. And, and I think all of my work, I like to step into spaces that are that are a little bit uh, that are messy, and, and, and examining those questions. Whether it's you know, what are our values as a country in delivering healthcare to Americans, and you know, mm-hmm. setting that in in a, in a public hospital waiting room. What does it mean? If a police department says they're trying to reform, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And is that real? Um, how important is education, you know, to to equity in, in, in our culture? And so, you know, the anthem was was sort of a natural examining that question of, you know, can should you love it or hate it? Should you should we tear it down? Should we burn it? Should we recreate it? Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, I. I I love Jimi Hendrix's version. To me, was always like beyond. Like, like it went into some spiritual place. Um, it was still the anthem. It's still the Star Spangled Banner at the end of the day. Marvin Gaye's version, Jose Feliciano. You know, um, these are all beautiful renditions of, of a song that that is is being unpacked, but it's still it's still the the anthem. Um, 
And I, and I felt that that was a, a great starting point to sort of, you know, think about, well, what would it mean to create a new anthem? And mm -hmm. if we were to create a new anthem today and allow the diversity of voice in this country to create that song, what would that be? And on the surface, it's an impossible, it's an impossible task because right. you can't really, we were like, do we need to like, you know, get into sort of like blues, hip hop, gospel, jazz, like rock? house music, go-go. I mean, there's so many different styles of music that reflect the American story. So, um, you know, there could be another two or three movies, uh, you, you know, know on, the, on this, on this uh, using this, this construct. One thing I do love is, is, you know, Anthem, besides Anthem, I love the evolution story, right? Because a lot of times in this day and age, people don't allow you to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. they, they look at your past mm -hmm. and they try to keep you in the past mm -hmm. of who you were. And the fact that you talk about everything that you've been through and how you've changed and the things that you're doing, I, I don't I don't think a lot of times people allow people to have that evolution and to change. So I commend that. And, and have you had a hard time because of your past? Because, you know, Charlamagne and myself, we've all had a past and we talk about our past. And mm -hmm. the reason we talk about it is because, you know, nobody's ever perfect, right? There's no life that's perfect. People go through shit. So the fact that you talk about the things that you've been to and you're still able to leave your mark on the world on some positive is, is the amazing story. I, well, I think, I don't know why, you know, um, I, you know, when I, I remember distinctly when I, when I got out of prison, I, I got a job working at this, this elementary school in, in, in DC, which, you know, I was at, I went back to Howard and, and they have like an internship program where you fill out, you know, where do you, where do you want to work? And I, I, I kind of went into the space of denial of what had happened to me. And I, and I didn't check the box, you know, I basically lied. And I got placed at this elementary school, which happened to be a school where like presidents, like where Obama sends his kids, where like some of those powerful people in DC send their kids. And I, I remember I took the job, I, I was working at this job. And one day the lawyer who represented, represented me in, in my case, which was prosecuted by Merrick Garland, who's now the attorney wow. general of the United States. Wow walked in on a tour with his son and I was, my job that day was to like check all the parents in and give them name tags. And here, right. here comes my lawyer. Oh boy. Um, and he sees me and he, and he, it, we looked at each other and he was like, Oh, how are you doing? And he's probably thinking to himself, what the hell is this guy doing? This convicted <laughs> right, right, right. drug trafficker doing working at the school. Presumably I'm going to send my kid. And you know, I, I eventually left that job and I had to tell all the people, you know, that I had lied, and, and from that point forward, I decided that I was going to tell my story. I was gonna step into the difficult space of being real about my story, um, talking about my dad's alcoholism, asking my dad about his alcoholism on camera. We had never talked, black families don't talk about tra their trauma, no. their mental health, things like alcoholism, and it, it just felt like an empowering thing, and it also felt like something that our country needed to do more was examine and, and step into these more real Authentic spaces. I mean, we, we, are, we are all those things. I, I want to uh, ask about anthem. What, what 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 do you think it would take to actually create a new national anthem? Well, one of the one of the in, insights that seemed very common as we asked that same question to a lot of people in in the making of the film and also now that the film is coming out is that mm -hmm. maybe there can't be one anthem. Mm. You know, there 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 has to be many anthems. I mean, the idea of anthem is so. You know, there's the anthem, the national anthem, but then there's like personal anthems, the, the song you put on at the gym or the mm -hmm. song that you right. that 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 you recall when you got married or, or the, or the mm -hmm. song that just gets you hyped, you know, the, something mm -hmm. that inspires you. You know, we all have different ways of allowing 
these songs and these because songs are ultimately stories. They're narratives, the narratives that we tell ourselves and the narratives that we use to reflect, you know, our, our families, our communities. Um, and that can't be boiled down into one song, but that the intention of allowing, you know, multiple perspectives to inform a national anthem, a national story wasn't how the original song was created that Francis Scott Key was created using the, the music of, you know, the Brit, this British, you know, pub song. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that intention could lead to other, um, insights and, and meaning that, that we could carry, you know, in, into our future as a country. The, the doc also had me thinking if there was a new national anthem, what, what genre of music would it be delivered through? Cause I love the way y'all went through country, which I never even referred to as white. I, when, when you referred to it as white soul, I was like, Oh, what is white soul? You know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't that but blues, jazz, <laughs> mm-hmm. like what genre of music would it be best delivered through to where America would embrace it. I, I was having this conversation with the dude outside the uh, the cellar last night. Oh, uh, I think I, what's his name, D- David or Brian? Brian. And I, and I asked him, that and, he, and immediately he was like, "Hip hop, <laughs> hip hop." And I, I'm 68. I, I was born in 68, so I I am the age of of, of hip hop. And we talked about it, you know, we because we hot we we brought on Dahi early in, early in the process, and mm-hmm. Dahi's produced some of you know hip hop's Kendrick Lamar, greatest artists, so many different people. Yeah. And, and so good, bro. Uh, you, you know. It was weird to hear him say that he's only been to New York and L.A. too. I was like, wow, that he hasn't been in the, in the middle of America. I thought that was weird. That was yeah. weird. A too. lot of us haven't. A lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, you know, don't 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 enter, enter these spaces. We 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 grow up in, in our communities. We sometimes step out. Sometimes, but the, but there are you know definitely p- places in the South or Nashville. It's it's like you saw what happened when when they they pulled up and mm-hmm. what, what are y'all doing? And they didn't fully articulate what they were doing. Yeah, they said, they said, "What are y'all doing?" You know, we're we're all oh, we're making a, a documentary exploring American music. They didn't say we're making a documentary rewriting the, right, the, right, the right, national right, anthem. Right, right. <laughs> you, you know, so um, <laughs> I, I, I I do think, but I but I think you know, um, you're saying hip hop should be hip hop like that 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 is you, you know um, gospel, you know house house music. All all these things are inflections, but you know the blues thing. We knew that cert, there were certain foundational places that we wanted to explore. Blues is one of those foundational places. Native American music, which is very rarely included in the conversation of the American music story, mm-hmm. we knew that we wanted to, to, to step into those spaces and allow them to, to inform the song. The movie made me, I mean, what the doc made me think that uh, hip hop's not as rooted in soul and spirit as it should be. It feels like a lot of the hip hop is rooted in, that we listen to now is rooted in capitalism, more so than, mm-hmm. The stuff that y'all had in the doc, that when you listen to the blues and the country, it was like it was re- the Native American stuff. It was rooted in soul and mm-hmm. spirit. Why, why, why do you think that is, Brian? That's a heavy question, bro. Um, I mean, I'm I'm older today than I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, like like I like my I I think I think it's. I think music is complicated. Um, I think black music is is. I got my own theories about it. I I, I love that this doc is kind of about American music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it's, the, it's it's anthem on the surface, but it's really about American music and, mm-hmm. and, and about watching a song being written, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Cause 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 you got stand up comedy, and you got music. I think them is like two like it's a straight alchemy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like when you when you see people do it. Um, and I think that like I think that black music has always been a call back home. 
mm-hmm. like a report. Hey, we we still here. Hey, we we okay? Like this here's what's happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is anybody out there to hear us? You know, um, I always feel th- th- this electricity runs through my body whenever I come to New York. I think a part of it is just that it's it's 10, 10 million people running around trying to make a way. Mm-hmm. But another part of it is this force that's been ever present in my life that's given me a sense of power. Hip hop, it was founded here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and and you can you can feel it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't know if it's that I know it was here or that I can feel it here, but it's fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, that things constantly change, and, and and I think the reason why you hearing this 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 trend towards like hyper capitalistic or you know it's, a lot of it is like war music. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but I think it's I think it's like about the right to self-determine that people are looking for and, and whatever route that whatever route they can find it you know what I'm saying and, and sometimes <clears throat> sometimes maybe it's quote unquote misguided sometimes it's sometimes it's truthful you know what mm-hmm. I mean like like somebody that's, that's living in poverty surrounded by it they think they might think that having some money is a way they can self-determine mm-hmm. make themselves safe get their family out of where they where they are you know what I'm saying um sometimes they think picking up a weapon and, and it was a way to self-determine mm-hmm. they feeling Vulnerable or weak, you know what I'm saying. I gotta show that I'm that I'm that I'm that I'm strong and I'm not. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's it's usually some f- form of truth in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. Like like um, whether whether you know at, at thirty at, whether at thirty seven, you know what I'm saying. I'm loving it. Not, you, know, you know what I mean. Um, that that's my best explanation for it. But I think that's what I think that's what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so so interesting about it. You know what I'm saying. Like I come from the home of the Panthers. All about the right to self-determine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To claim, to claim my, my, my humanity and, and self-determine how, my, my safety and, and, and where I can go, my where my body mm-hmm. can be, where my children can feel safe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I hear that in the blues. I hear that in the jazz. I hear that in you know what I'm saying. I hear it in all of it. You right. know. Um, hope that answers that question. Bro. Yeah, you, I, I'm. Yeah. Sitting, I guess when you, you was talking, it made me feel like it. Damn. Sometimes I guess capitalism can can ruin art. Right, so so I wonder what's what's more fulfilling for you, doing something like Fruitville Station, or 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 Black Panther. What's more fulfilling? Yeah, or just, not not even just those two movies in particular, but just uh-huh. doing a movie like in in more of an independent way and in a big blockbuster. Well, well yeah, like that's a great question, bro. Um, I I think at the time I'm I'm I've been blessed to do the most fulfilling thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like at at the time, you know, and we and we talked about that, like how we don't. Get the ability to change, right? I think mm-hmm. as I think as as black people, we can be the hardest on ourselves when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like like I'm from I'm from I was born in Oakland. My whole family's from there. We know. I think Ryan. I was like, but check it out, bro. I'm getting somewhere, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting somewhere, bro. But you know, like I was like eight or nine, we moved to Richmond. You know what I'm saying? And like still to this day, I have people ask me, "Hey, bro, you from Oakland or Richmond?" You know, what, you know what I'm saying? Word, word, and, word. and like the, and like the truth is. Come from both, you know. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but but that's not allowed at home. You know, you know what I mean. Like you gotta pick, bro. You know what I'm saying. Like it's like, is it is it this or is it that? And you gotta stick with it for your whole life. You know what I'm saying. Like like when I'm when I'm if I'm blessed to live to be a hundred, hey, bro, you from Oakland? You know what I'm saying. It's like, well, damn. You, know you, ever, you ever go back to Oakland and say, you know, it's like, damn, I made it out of here. I'm still there. He's there. Yeah, you know, I'm still there. Ryan, Oakland to the core. No, I know. But it's beautiful though. I'm from South Carolina, so I know exactly <laughs> I, I, how you feel. I, 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 some, there's some days where I'm like, damn, I'm still alive. You know what I'm saying? Because right, right, I, I was out like, in yeah, Oakland, like, and I'm, you know. I'm driving. I was uh, 
I stayed at the hotel and I wanted to get something to eat. It's like go go to the next corner. And the next corner was Oakland, Oakland. Like fresh fried spots with the gates in it. I'm like, where the fuck am I? And like you still see like it looks like riots happened yesterday. Like you see stuff boarded up and stuff broken down. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn. Don't let like him play fact, you like Queens. No, it's, it's so it's, sexy, Brian. Are you in Queens? I'm from Queens. Queens. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, I don't know. It's just so. Same. It's like when, wherever, when you wherever, see wherever that. we at, you'll see that. You know, you could you could, you, could, you could be on the right mm-hmm. or the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, look, man, we've been out. The country been at war with us mm-hmm. since we've been here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's the truth. Like you see, so you see it reflected. Like whether it's financial, you know, like whether it's whether it's all you know, outright Jim Crow, whether it was mm-hmm. you know, full blown. You know our bodies being illegal. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, so you see it, you see the reflections of it. You know what I mean? And 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 it's spots in Cleveland, everywhere here, Detroit, Oakland. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, you go DC. I just wanna, I'm gonna try to see, formulate how I'm, how I'm gonna say this because there's a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to your question about what's you know the independent versus the blockbuster and capitalism but but i saw black panther in a theater in utah where my daughter was in in treatment for for mental health and, and addiction she was she was uh, 16 at the time um and we were visiting her and uh i we, we went to see black panther in a theater packed mm-hmm. full of white Mormons watching Black Panther. And to me, that was a profound reality and impact that, that Ryan's work, this very commercial, big blockbuster Marvel movie, I, I don't think people fully sort of understand the, the impact that that, that that had on the culture and sort of changing the narrative and, you know, Changing those narratives is so important. It's important internally. I, you know, talking about trauma, talking about our our communities, black communities going back generations, back to slavery, like my dad's family. He had unresolved trauma. You know, he was drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I only found out after he died that he was told when he was a young man to step into the gutter when white people approached him, you know, on, on the sidewalk. Um, my daughter, you know, I dealt with addiction. My daughter dealt with addiction, and we lost her at the age of sixteen. So the the the, the consequences of sort of unrecognized and un, un you know trauma that's not dealt with in, in narrative is, is is profound. And I, and I think Ryan's work is doing it both in this very intimate way with, mm-hmm. with sort of in, in an independent approach like Fruitvale Station, and on the biggest stage with these blockbusters is powerful. And I think it's also going to influence other creatives in, in, in those spaces to use their, their voices and to use these stages because now we're getting more opportunities. That's, we're getting more opportunities. That's know. why I like Black Panther 2 so much because, um, you know, I put Ryan in the same vein as like a Kendrick or even a Cole because mm. even with the massive success, you won't compromise your art. Mm. I appreciate that, bro. I, I, I just realized I didn't ask you a question, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, they, they all are, are fulfilling at the time because mm-hmm. I'm, di- I'm different each time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, Matt Fruitvale when I was, I was 25, mm-hmm. 37 now, you know, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I can make that movie now. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I don't got the optimism that I had then and, or the energy, you know, you get met in like 20, 20 days, we didn't mm-hmm. sleep, you know, so I gotta sleep now, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Like, 
our family now, you know, like, mm -hmm. like it would have been impossible. Mm -hmm. But I, that was the most fulfilling thing that I could have done at that time. And I've been blessed to like do fulfilling work, you know what Absolutely. I'm saying? With this company, bro, it's fantastic. I get to support filmmakers' vision, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. Pete said, hey, gonna make a movie. We're gonna make a new national anthem. I'm like, holy shit, let's do, let's do it. What do you need? You know, what I'm, you know, what I'm how can I help? You know, um, uh, and, and it's 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 been an incredible blessing, man. I know these brothers gotta go too. Yeah, I know they're telling us you gotta wrap up. So I guess with this question be the last question: How do you keep the national anthem hopeful and empowering with so much of America's history being negative for the majority of groups that have mm. been here? Because you know we keep talking about we are having these discussions about what America is. Mm -hmm. I think we know what America is. We trying to con yeah. we trying to put the mirror up to them and let them see what America is. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's different things to different people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's what's so beautiful mm -hmm. about the song they made was that, you know, you get, you got, you got four women from different backgrounds and different experiences with the country, um, you know, putting down verses that feel true to them. Mm -hmm. That's not compromising. And then when you hear it saying, you know, it's like you know, you 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 identify with each with each piece because maybe it's like I don't know somebody who's indigenous, or I, I'm not indigenous myself to this to this to this land, but I know people who are, you know, and I know people who are having issues with borders moving across them and back and forth mm -hmm. or, or getting more, you know. And when you hear the words saying, you feel it, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't, you know, um, when you hear Charity, it's like in her twenties from Nashville, sing about. Her family in the in the military, I think she says like like all, all gave some, but some gave all. Man, you feel it, you know what I'm saying? And and, and white people don't own the military, you know. What I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I got you know, my grandfather fought in, in in every war that was fought while he was alive. You know, you know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and um, so so when you take a step back and look at the song that they made and the process of how they made it, man, that, you know, the, the the young choir sang it, man, and it works. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. like you know. So I think it's I think it's an incredible utility mm -hmm. that they that they gave, and that's all a song is is a utility, man. You might use it to get through a personal loss. You might use it to do your homework. You might use it to 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 lift at the gym. You know what I'm you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like like it's a it's a it's a it's a piece of art. That's a utility, and it's up to the people to use it. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Absolutely. How you feel about it, Pete? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just real simply empowering people to tell to tell their story. You know, and you know, an an anthems inspiring um, people to express their own I idea of of an anthem. I remember we when we made the waiting room, the story, uh, this film about Island Hospital. Before we made the film, we we did this little digital storytelling project um, where we interviewed hundreds of people stuck in the waiting room. We asked everybody the same thing: "What are you waiting for?" And um, the the results of that simple question were profound. And I I got into the, you know, you're dealing with. Some people who look dangerous, somebody who just pissed on themselves, somebody who's ranting, dealing with mental illness, and I got into this 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 space where I was approaching everybody, even if I was uncomfortable. Mm. And some of the people that I was most uncomfortable with, mm -hmm. the results in their story, allowing them, empowering them in that moment to tell their story, even if I didn't maybe agree with their politics or their position, because some people were talking about healthcare, some people were conservative in in those spaces, mm -hmm. but they're also suffering somehow, mm. and that sort of collective. That, that unifying suffering and allowing people to tell the allowing people the framework to tell their story in that space was 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 powerful and I, and I think hopefully this film can allow people to recognize that sometimes we do have to put these stories that are difficult next to each other and, and allow the alchemy to just happen because we can't we just can't ignore it we're in a difficult time in our country right now it's it's, it's like we're we're at a crossroads right now 
and it could go this way, it could, it could go that way. But the optimism, um, both for my own family and the, the generational trauma that we face, that there's a path out, that you don't have to stay in that. Yeah, well, we mm. appreciate you brothers for joining us. And, you know, anytime you got some a movie or something that you want to promote, documentary, y'all invited up here, come on up and use the platform. What's next? I mean, the writers, Craig, happening now. Man, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's big shout out to the writers. WGI is striking right now. Um, you know, trying to get, you know, equity. underrated. That's that's uh, yeah. that, that's next for us, like on the nonfiction. On side. the nonfiction side, yes, yeah, so nonfiction, I can. You can do. Yes, yeah, right. it's, it's not it's not started with WGA, um, originated work. You know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. outside of that, so so I can help help promote. But yeah, we got we got underrated. Um, beautiful beautiful movie about Steph Curry. Very underrated. He's the number two greatest player of all time. We need to start acting like it. <laughs> it's coming full circle. Hey, let me ask you guys, who's, like who's not look, top three NBA? Let's talk about well, it right now. Just quick five. question before you go. Top five in the, in the league right now? No, no all time. All, all time. I can give you mine quick. LeBron's in, LeBron's in there. I got Michael Jordan, MJ. Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, and Magic Johnson. That's my top five. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's... I'm not doing this, man. Cause I, cause I, 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 I literally have made a movie. I made a movie. With, I made a movie with, with Bron. I made a movie with Steph. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing this. Like, Steph like, beat like, LeBron three times in NBA no, Finals. No, no, no. I'm a Warriors fan, lifelong. Word. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Steph. He's beating you in, Ryan. He's got it No, no, no. Steph bigger than basketball for us. He you revolutionized know, you know the sport. Yeah, like, like, like we we, we ride we ride or die with Steph. You know what I'm saying? And Bron's, Bron's my guy. Like, you <laughs> know, Steph changed all the basketball, women and men's. They all play like Steph. He revolutionized the game. I've never seen nobody do that since not, Michael Jordan. You're not wrong. I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound crazy. To this day, most skilled basketball player I've ever seen is Hakeem Olajuwon. Mm. Like, most skilled. Mm -hmm. I remember watching him as a kid and being like, yo, this dude is, yo, this dude is crazy. Um... The scariest cat I ever seen to play against when I was a kid was Tim Duncan. It seemed like he was always winning. You know what I'm saying? These dudes don't get mentioned at all when you, when you, when you start talking about it. When, yeah. I, when, I, when I really think about it, I'm like, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how somebody could be better than Hakeem Olajuwon. You know what I'm you well, know, you know saying? I mean, now you got the Joe Kicks and those guys. Yeah. And they kind of and I love Hakeem, but they yeah. But back I mean, then, there wasn't too many big men. So when when you were big I mean, men, it was, you, it was all big men. Boy, he swept the league. They were all they were all big. You didn't have it like you know. He had to go past. He had to go past David Robinson. David Robinson. Yeah, Patrick Ewing. Kimbe Mutombo. What he used to do to those guys, bro. Like I, I used to just, and he, and, he, and he had no flaws in his game. But now like, you think about somebody smaller had to get by the big man, like your Allen Iverson, like your oh bro, Allen, bro, like AI, bro. He don't get think about what enough. AI did. You know what I mean? When he beat, when he beat, when he beat that 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 Kobe Shaq team game one, mm -hmm. and no teammates really. I mean, I don't mean mm -hmm. no disrespect. These is real hoopers that was on his team, but like, you know, I mean, yeah, bro. So it's it's tough, man. You saying I, all that to say you do think Steph is better than Braun, but. <laughs> Bro, I'm gonna bait you, Ryan. Bro, I'm not. You, you just don't want. I'm a, I'm a Warriors fan, bro. That's what I'm gonna say, bro. And Steph, <laughs> and Steph, and Steph, bigger than a hoop for us, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I'm also a black man, and LeBron is bigger than you know what I'm saying. Like, like you know, love Bron. I'm not, I'm not gonna get into that. I'm just man. talking about on the court. I love both these guys. I root for Warriors. <laughs> I root for Warriors <laughs> when they play. On the court. I root for the Warriors when they play. But right. I love both those dudes. I hate that we got. I hate. I hate that we got to pit against each other. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I hate that they knocked us out. God damn, bro. Pete, Pete says it with his chest. <laughs> Steph is the number two of all time. <laughs> I give it. Absolutely. He's he from Boston. Absolutely. He from where? I mean, 
Boston? I grew up in Boston, so oh, you know, boy. Larry Bird. You know. <laughs> oh boy, Larry Bird's in my yeah. I know, Red Sox I know, I know. Oh, don't oh, like, let's boy. not go there. <laughs> and you went to Howard. Let's not go oh, there. Oh boy. <laughs> Although 2004, you know, 2004, you know, Yankees. Oh, Red boy. Sox. All right, well there you have it. <laughs> Be the Knicks, the Howard University alumni. Hey. <laughs> Ryan Cooper, we appreciate you. you. <laughs> oh man, oh. Well, we appreciate you, brothers, for joining yeah, us, man. It's the Breakfast man. Club. Don't thank forget Anthem June twenty eighth on Hulu. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real, real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.